Hello, everyone, and welcome back to 15 Minutes with Dr. Norfleet. Um, I am Dr. Norfleet, and today we have a very special guest, Dr. Courtney Crisp. How you doing? Good. Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you for coming on the show with us. Um, so we're very lucky to have someone who also works in the mental health field. Um, she was in the doctoral program with me. Um, and honestly taught me a lot about writing and research and was a lot of motivation for me. So we're lucky to have her. Um, and we're going to start off just by, you know, asking, what do you do for a living? Oh, thank you. I, first of all, I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, so what I do, so I currently work, um, I currently work for a large behavioral system in, uh, with eating disorders. So I work uh, all with patients with eating disorders. Uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area, I work with teens and I work with kids, pretty much the whole lifespan. I think the, the youngest kid I've seen is probably like seven and then all the way up to um, older adults, um, the range of eating disorders. So, um, yeah, so I see patients with like, you know, kind of the eating disorders you might traditionally think of, like anorexia and bulimia. Um, I see one thing people probably don't know is like, I, I also see just kids who maybe um, – don't have like a diagnosed eating disorder per se, but they're having trouble eating enough um, to like meet their growth curve or like uh, to be at a healthy weight. Okay. Um, so that might be something where like maybe they're just not interested at food in food or maybe they're like an excessively picky eater, but it's gotten to the point where it's having physical consequences. Mm -hmm. um, so, but that's like not an eating disorder in kind of the traditional sense you would think it is, but it's, you know, causing problems. So. Okay. Yeah. That's super cool. I feel like when I was in our program, I didn't have many opportunities to learn about eating disorders. Um, a lot of people say that. Like pretty much everybody who's <laughs> not an eating disorders therapist says that. So you're definitely not alone. Yeah. So um, I guess one question, you know, like I think we've learned so many interventions for depression and anxiety and trauma, but like what approach do you take when you're starting off with an eating disorders client? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, so I guess, um, you know, when I'm first, like, assessing a person with eating disorders, I think um, one of the first things we look at that is different than any other mental health disorder is we look at medical stability. Okay. Um, because, yeah, because eating disorders are so physical. Um, and I think, like, you know, some people think, oh, okay, anorexia, clearly that's you know, physically dangerous or people can understand how that would be. But really all eating disorders take a toll on your body in different ways. Um, you know, for, for individuals with binge eating disorder, for example, that can really take a toll on your liver. Um, it's really, you can have a lot of like uh, GI and stomach issues, um, bulimia. Yeah. That you can have dental problems. You could have uh, heart issues. Again, I'm not a medical doctor, but um, these are just kind of typical things that come up. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the first things when we assess uh, eating disorders is really making sure people are medically stable or we can like continue to see them at outpatient level of care. Cause sometimes, you know, if they're not medically stable, they'll need to go to the hospital or um, one, one uh, thing that I feel like people outside of eating disorders wouldn't have heard of is this thing. Have you heard of refeeding syndrome? No. Yeah, so if you're severely malnourished and you eat too much too fast, essentially your heart can stop. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, so <laughs> it's not good. Um, and uh, so that's why, like, if someone is, like, severely malnourished and needs to start um, 
kind of eating again. Uh, it needs to be in a pretty supervised way. So a lot of times people will go to like hospitals or residential facilities first before we can work with them and have patients. Okay. So that's kind of like the first priority okay yeah that's really cool i feel like you remember dr keating obviously yeah so <laughs> she would always say like you need to rule out general medical and for what i do like that just involves like helping them get scheduled for a physical but i'm not involved in the process right, right but it sounds yeah. like when you're working with eating disorders you have more of a like direct role and like monitoring and like just even understanding some of the medical. Yeah, like, no, we do. And honestly, I find it really interesting. Like we, cause we're like, and you know, you'd stay within your scope. <laughs> You're not a medical doctor, but like, I'm like looking at growth charts, like looking at EKGs, like communicating a lot with like the doctors and PCPs, like asking them their thoughts, but, but also like they really lean on us a lot and like ask for our judgment, which that's actually part of why I like eating disorders too, is because it is so interdisciplinary and you get to, I love therapists, but I, I like just getting a diversity in the kind of people I talk to every mm -hmm. day too. So I love that we get to talk to dietitians and we get to talk to doctors and like we have weekly and monthly meetings with doctors. Um, yeah, and it's just it's a uh, it's just a really interesting like perspective I feel like on patients. Whereas if you're um, I don't know not eating disorders, it's more talking about mental health, which is yeah you, I don't know you just get a more interesting picture of their their health. Yeah, that's super cool. I I think yeah. the emphasis on the interdisciplinary work is like important uh -huh. um and it's something that i know is a big part of like a lot of our internships that they talk about but it sounds like you're like actually doing it on a daily basis yeah so that's super cool yeah thanks. um so obviously you know here at essence we think a lot about you know our impacts on our communities and like thinking about diversity and inclusion so i'm curious like what are some of the multicultural like considerations you have when working with eating disorders? Uh, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, one thing that kind of came to mind for me a little bit um, was I think so in talking with like dietitians that care a lot about diversity, um, they'll express like frustration that a lot of their like cultural foods are like demonized or seen as like unhealthy. Mm. Um, so, cause, cause our philosophy like with eating disorders is basically like all foods fit, no foods are bad foods and really um, trying to have foods with variety and balance. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so sometimes we'll have patients where, uh, you know, that will have like their cultural foods, which are kind of like demonized or told they're unhealthy and like they need to eat like, kale or whatever <laughs> you know something yeah. that's like quote healthy but they'll say like oh like white rice is unhealthy right but if you you know we don't look at food like as black and white unhealthy and healthy we more look at it as like okay like what's the nutritional profile and like what and you know taste and culture and tradition and your experience of all that matters too you mm -hmm. know it's not just like um it's not just like the numbers right but i think our society and like what we call diet culture can really like warp um just like our perceptions of, of quote health which is i don't know such a societal concept anyway so i think our dietitian is um i think she's really good about like just looking at what foods are like important to people and families and cultures um but i've learned a lot actually from like instagram dietitians too like mm -hmm. there's one i would really recommend if any of this is um is interesting to anybody listening. Uh, she's called your Latina uh, dietitian or your your Latina uh, nutritionist. Okay. Yeah, her name's Delina, 
and she is um, she's a Latina dietitian uh, from the East Coast, I believe Philadelphia. But she, I follow her, and she she talks about this kind of stuff all the time. So awesome! Yeah, make sure you guys pay attention to that. She's dropping knowledge on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another cultural consideration um, uh, with eating disorders that uh, comes up too that I think is interesting is um, so the BMI is something that I think. I feel like people are starting to realize how problematic it is, mm -hmm. but the BMI was literally like created by a statistician and it was meant for like large population level knowledge. It was never meant to be like used to like create individual recommendations and it was literally normed on European men. So there's so many populations that it's like, it's like not, it's, it's like especially problematic for, mm -hmm. and I'll, I'll give you a personal example. And this is, this isn't diversity so much, but like, so when I was a college athlete, I was like at my most fit, right? Like I was all muscle. Like they told me I was overweight and I was like, okay, like measure my body fat. Like I'm not, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, so that's like one example of how the BMI can be problematic. Okay. Um, the BMI is problematic with people that are especially short, especially tall, just because of how the math equation works. Right. Um, yeah. And it's especially problematic with like certain ethnic populations too. Cause again, it was normed on European men. So. Right. Yeah. And that's something I feel like we see with, a lot in our field is just <clears throat> the way things are normed and mm -hmm. the way that certain standards are set is not always fair to different populations or certain populations aren't even taken into consideration. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, <clears throat> so obviously, <laughs> you know, you and I have gotten a lot of good meals together um, yeah. throughout San Diego and LA and the <laughs> Bay Area. So I got to ask, what is one of your like favorite cuisines or like favorite foods that you like? Oh my gosh, that's a good question. Um, oh, I would eat sushi like every day if I could afford it. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and I just um, uh, we just it's the day after Christmas, and whenever my uh, my husband and I do Christmas like not with my family, we do like a sushi Christmas Eve. Okay. So we went to Tokyo Fish Market in Berkeley, which I highly recommend. Okay. We told them, we're like, okay, we have this much to spend. What should we get? We got like a pound of sashimi salmon and this like tuna, tuna belly sashimi. I don't know. It was really good. And then so we had this like sashimi feast. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Big sashimi fan. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, okay. Well, one other question that I really want to hear your opinion on is um, kind of building off of our last episode where we talked about like the depiction of mental health or psychopathy or anything in the media i'm curious do you feel like tv shows and movies have an accurate portrayal of eating disorders or do you no. feel like they have it all wrong <laughs> um i mean I'll, I'll say yes and no i don't want to be that black away um i i think i i think anorexia gets a large overrepresentation in the media um and i i think It, it, it kind of, to, to me, I think it's kind of who, um, like, there's a lot of, like, thin white women who have anorexia in the mm -hmm. media, right? That's kind of, like, your vision of it. But in reality, like, there's all kinds of people who have anorexia, and there's lots of other eating disorders, too. And I think that those just don't tend to be portrayed as much, because I think there tends to be this narrative that, like, oh, this is, like, this is like the kind of like person in the media we can like feel sympathy for right or like mm -hmm. almost like kind of have this weird fascination with um yeah, yeah so i i think 
I think one small slice of eating disorder world is like very overrepresented. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of people whose like stories aren't told. Mm -hmm. is what I would say. Okay. okay. I appreciate that. That's definitely something that I haven't thought of as much. Again, going back to the fact that we, we didn't get much on eating disorders in our uh -huh. program. So I don't think it's something that's talked about. Um, I don't know if you remember, but I had reached out to Dr. Crisp actually when I had a, a patient in the prison who was thinking herself that she was suffering from like an eating disorder. And I was very kind of new to like how to work with it. So you gave me resources and like worksheets, but still like it was a learning experience for me because again, yeah. like no one talks about it. Um, yeah. And I think and you're probably not, you know, you're not used to asking the patients about their food or their, you know, right. it's a different way of thinking, right? It's kind of like, I don't know. I think if you're not used to it, it can feel kind of personal at first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so last question for you um, yeah. before we um, cut for a little while is, do you think that given how specific eating disorder work is, do you think that therapists should have like additional training or like, yeah. is there anything you think, um, individuals who want to work with eating disorders should be doing to prepare that's yeah. different from like your kind of generalist psychologist that works with anything like do you have any tips or suggestions yeah no that's a really good question um yeah no and i i mean first of all i completely empathize with the fact that like eating disorder training can just like be hard to get sometimes mm -hmm. um yeah no but i definitely think you know you want to practice within your scope of competency right and like you said, like most people just don't get that kind of training in your doctoral programs. Um, so for me, I mean, I worked with eating disorders in uh, before my doctoral program, but I was also like, okay, I need to definitely get the specialist training like as a therapist, as a psychologist now. So my postdoc is where I kind of got that specific training. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, which I mean, I think I think that's really a good place to get training is postdoc, or I think you know, there's different like certifications or, or trainings you can do if that's something you're interested in. I would just you know. Um, you definitely want to operate within your scope of competency. And again, with eating disorders, I think it's just the medical piece is so important and mm -hmm. the inner, the interdisciplinary piece is so important. So even if you're working with somebody outpatient, you want to make sure like, okay, like do either working with a dietitian, like have they kind of have their medical stuff checked? Like you want to, um, uh, take all that into consideration. But that being said, like, I think, you know, there's a lot of times, like when I was working at the hospital, like in my internship or during grad school, like a lot of times people would be working with patients with eating disorders and maybe it wasn't their like predominant thing. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not like you could fully treat that in the hospital, but they wanted tips from me on how to work with them. And I think that, you know, I, I would never want clinicians to be like, afraid of them. You know, mm -hmm. I would want people to feel comfortable, you know, to not just like ignore it, but to like try to work with it too. So, cause I think a lot of knowledge from other, uh, treating other like conditions can be applicable to eating disorders too. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you. I really appreciate getting a chance to hear more about what you do and like your kind of insider knowledge on like a very specific subfield in psychology. Yeah. Um, and I also really appreciate the cultural lens that you put on it and like talked about like how certain foods are demonized or just like how certain people aren't understood or having their stories told. Um, I think that's something that we need to be thinking about with all um, mental health diagnoses, but especially with eating disorders. So yeah, thank yeah. you, Dr. Yeah. Chris, for coming. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yeah, we look forward to having you back in the future. Awesome.
Um, so yes, thank you so much for everyone listening. I hope that you have a gentle holiday. And if you don't celebrate any holiday, I hope that you have a good day off at some point. <laughs> we will be back again next month. Um, and thank you for listening. 